Hey guys, I'm Tyler Mahoney. And I'm Jeff Falkenberry. We're back for another edition of the Endless Season Outdoors Podcast. We are back for part two with the Truman Lake Fisheries Biologist, Chris Brook. And we're going to be talking, first of all, we got some more questions that came in that we're going to answer here right off the bat. And then we're going to do a deep dive into the walleye, the hybrids, and the spoonbill. If you missed the first episode, it's available at TrumanLakeFishingIntel.com. It's on Facebook at the Endless Season Guide Service Facebook page. The full hour-long video is there. You can go watch it where we talk about largemouth bass, crappie, catfish, really, really in-depth. And we're going to touch on that a little bit here with some of these questions in the beginning. And uh, if you have any other questions after this, definitely comment. Let us know, write in, and uh, we'll just continue to try to keep an ongoing conversation. Um, but with that, Chris, it's good to have you back. It's good to be back. Yeah. It's been a good month. Done a lot of fishing this month. Yeah. And Done a lot of good fishing. Well, and <laughs> we just did a couple hours of some okay fishing at Mahoney HQ here in Clinton. Uh, kind of the heat of the day, so I wasn't, uh, wasn't expecting a whole lot, but we caught 20, 25 bass. And, uh, it was a good, good July 4th weekend. Hope everyone was safe out there. Um, but let's dive in to uh, what we're here to talk about today. So as I mentioned, we talked about catfish, bass, and crappie in the first episode. And so that prompted some questions, some follow-up questions about some of those things. And uh, several of the questions had to do with the slot limit on catfish in, in, in general. What... Uh, just kind of commenting on why the slot limit, what's the plans for it, what are your just quick general thoughts other than you can go back and watch the first video to get a lot more details, but Chris, some um, of those follow-up questions, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Real quickly, I guess the slot limit's going to be in place for at least a little while. Uh -huh. I mean, even if we decided it wasn't working, it's not going to, you know, it's going to be, you know, at, the, at a very minimum it would be five years and I'm not even necessarily we're saying we're going that direction right but it's gonna be a while before anything even has the potential to change really um, but one of the things I get a question a lot is you know having to release fish in the slot in theory if the slot limit is working to produce bigger bigger fish it's protecting those fish when they're in the slot and it's meaning that people have released fish that were in the slot and a lot of those 30 inch fish and, and some of the exploitation numbers which is the harvest data I've seen in the past is, you know, if you're catching a lot of fish in the slot, a lot of those fish were already caught and released by somebody. Um, and you may not have had the opportunity to catch them if we didn't have the slot in place. So mm -hmm. if you go out and catch 10 fish, you might have only caught two fish if it wasn't for the slot because we've been protecting those mm -hmm. fish. So that's one thing to think about when you're releasing those fish is, especially when you get up 30 to 35 inches, a lot of those fish have already been caught and released mm -hmm. by somebody else. Now, are, the, are those fish, they're responsible for a lot of the spawning as well, correct? Um, so, when we put the slot limit in place, we don't have a lot of spawning considerations. We have enough reproduction, and um, I guess if anything, hopefully they don't reproduce too much because uh -huh. we've already got a lot of small fish. But, you know, slot limits can be put in place for reproduction, but that was not the purpose of gotcha. the slot limit. So that brings up one of the other follow-up questions that some folks might feel like the blue catfish are impacting the flatheads. There was a question about, is there anything being done for flathead catfish on Truman? Is there anything that can be done to help protect those more on Truman? So we are in the middle of a flathead project right now, evaluating the population. Um, when we looked at it several years back, we didn't have real high harvest numbers. Um, 
which would indicate if the population was declining, it wasn't because people were catching them and harvesting them, it's because of other factors. And there could be differences, you know, as the lake has aged, we don't have quite as much woody structure as we used to, and mm -hmm. it's possible there's some habitat factors going on there. Um, I don't have any data to support one way or another whether the population is declining or not. I do know that uh, the guys that have been out on the flathead project are seeing some really nice flatheads. Mm -hmm. And if if fishing pressure was too high, if we were harvesting too many fish, we wouldn't be seeing a lot of 50, 60 pound fish. Mm -hmm. and we are seeing at least a few of those. Mm -hmm. So there's some big ones out there, um, but I'm not gonna say as there's as many as there used to be. Right, right. And I don't have any scientific data to, to back it up, but I'll 100% guarantee there's not any of these right. like there used to be. Yeah. I mean, just growing up here and growing up on the lake mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. fishing for them for over 30 years. Yeah, uh, and I guess the data we have doesn't necessarily indicate that that's a harvest issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just watched it all, I, I think we talked about that, just kind of transpire from, you know, fishing and catching all flatheads and a few channels, maybe a blue, to four or five blues and a, and a couple of flatheads in a channel to all blues right. and, then, and then maybe a flathead once right. in a while and now it's yeah. just, it's kind of a rarity and I think, like you said, on this study where you're seeing some of those bigger fish, and I don't know what they're seeing, like small fish ways, but... Um, I can tell you the fish that we've been catching the last two weeks, the blue cats on the lake, uh, are full of channel cat, about six inches long and crappie until this shad fry now is starting to get up big enough mm -hmm. that they'll start gorging on those. But with the large shad kill that we had, they, they was eating crappie. And they were eating crappie, they were eating catfish, they were eating each other. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I don't know about the flatheads, you know, guys always use bullheads. I mean, even when I was a kid, they used bullheads for flathead bait. And, you know, I don't know if these flatheads get, or the blue cats get the small flatheads or, mm -hmm. you know, if they're the big ones, obviously you're still seeing. Yeah. But it's, I, I think it can be a factor for sure. Yeah. For sure. And one thing, I guess, to add on with the slot is when, from the fish that I've aged, it takes 10 to 15 years to get a fish to 26 inches. And it takes 15 to 20 years for them to get to 34 inches, kind of on average. So it'll take about eight years for those fish to grow from 26 to 34 mm -hmm. inches. So that's one thing, it takes some time. And then just throw it out there, the one of the fastest growing fish I've aged was 19 years old and 51 inches long. And the slowest one I've aged was 21 years old and 29 and a half inches long. Hmm. Um, Do you think that's a genetic thing? I mean, obviously it happens. I mean, I would think. You know, I'm sure there's some genetic traits, and uh, you know, just how you know. It could be, I guess the personality of a fish. I mean, they all have the same you know, thing, you know right? What I mean? um, yeah. Well, not well, not necessarily, because um, there are studies, not necessarily for catfish, but you know, what can make the big difference in survival in some species is whether or not, like a crappie, whether or not they make the jump to shad. Or something like that so some fish may switch over to piscivores or fish eating fish whereas the others may not jump make that jump and it can affect their growth rates mm -hmm. um, okay. so it could be a difference in which ones you know dumb and smart figure out how to, <laughs> yeah it, it, it may yeah make a difference which one figures out the fastest you know there's a bunch of little shad out there yeah. i can eat um so it could be diet but they they all have the same available food but it doesn't mean they're eating the same food and then you know just, I don't know, 
not to give a fish a personality, but you know, maybe some of them are more aggressive or less aggressive. Mm -hmm. And well, I've always said it they're uh, just like people, yeah. You know, there's tall people, short people, round people, uh, thin people. I think they're all the same, you mm -hmm. know. I mean, that's God made us all that way for a reason, and I'm not sure why. Just if we were all the same, it'd be a boring world, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and we, we just stocked hybrids. A couple of weeks ago, I've seen that. And yeah, you, you hold them in your hand, and some of them are three times the size of the other ones, and they're yeah. only a month old. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. And you know that, you know the one that's biggest a month old is going to be bigger than the really little ones. Right. Yeah. Ten years from now, or yeah. however how many years down the road it is. So one of the other questions was, should we be concerned about zebra mussels in Truman Lake? So that's kind of a two-part question. Um, zebra mussels are in Truman Lake, and from what I've read and researched, water temperatures are a limiting factor for zebra mussels. And Truman stays warm enough mm -hmm. that up to this point we haven't had any issues. And I think I've, I've heard some people talk, and I don't know if Jeff's noticed it, I've heard some people say since 2019 they haven't been seeing as many zebra mm -hmm. mussels on the stumps and stuff. Um, so zebra mussels in Truman seem to go through some die-offs. They're, they're not just taken off like they do in some areas. Right. So I, I don't foresee any major issues in Truman Lake with zebra mussels. However, Truman has zebra mussels, and if you're fishing Truman, I wouldn't recommend taking them home and putting them in your ponds if right. you're going somewhere else or right. other impoundments. So I would still recommend you know drying your boat out after you're in Truman, pull your plug, clean it out, do something to make sure you're not transporting zebra mussels. Right. Yeah, I think the fluctuating water and I'm is, sure the has to be a huge factor. The fluctuations have to, yeah, yeah, it yeah. has to be a factor because the water temperature is always changing on mm -hmm. them, or whether they're in water yeah, exactly. or not in water. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, so this is an interesting one. I'm not sure there's any data anywhere that talks about it, but it's an interesting question: is what effect does live scope electronics have on the crappie? Seems like the larger fish are being targeted by not only the tournament fishermen but also guides. You know, catching large limits of large fish on a constant basis, is there a negative impact at some point? Does it, has there been any effect that we've seen? Um, you haven't. So, I mean, there's, well, there's some, the answers buried in there, but not ones that anybody's going to like probably. Right. Uh, not real uh, concrete answers, uh -huh. but generally if people are taking bigger fish out, it's better to take 15 big crappie out than 15 small crappie because, um, you know, if you take a 15-inch crappie out, he was probably at the end of his life cycle and not going to be around that much longer. Whereas if you're taking 9-inch crappie out, they have, they could have a few years left to, to grow and, and produce. Mm -hmm. So from a biological standpoint, shifting the harvest up to larger fish isn't necessarily a bad thing. Mm. Um, but they are, you know, people are taking more fish out too, and that's just something that we have to monitor and look at. And if if it looks like it's making a difference then we'll have to reevaluate some way. Um, you know, I, as I can't speak on behalf of the entire department, mm -hmm. but I don't see live scope or that technology being anything we're ever going to ban. So if we saw an issue, it would come down to the individual lake and do we have to change the limit or change the regulations. Right. Um, but at this point, I haven't seen any issues. And, and one thing I can say, I get a lot of questions, you know, Paddlefish, crappie, a little bit on hybrid striped bass, catfish, I get questions where people say,
people are catching so many fish. I see it on Facebook. This technology is new. People are catching so many fish. It has to affect the population. Well, Facebook. And spider, spider yeah. you know, a few years ago before LiveScope, three years ago, everybody was talking about spider rigging and yeah. the issues that that would have. And I'm not going to say that, you know, it doesn't have the tech capability of affecting the population. But what I've never heard anyone say about crappie, catfish, hybrids, or paddlefish is we used to catch them and the population's declining. Mm -hmm. To this point, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm with a lot of you that have trouble catching fish. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's people like me that can't catch, catch fish, but I couldn't catch fi fish five years ago. But nobody, I've never, I don't have people tell me the fishery is declining and, and don't email me just to say that because you know, yeah. Yeah. you know i might get an email now from somebody that saw the episode and yeah. says well it's declining for me but for the most part the concerns i hear are about the methods and the potential as opposed to the actual scene of decline mm. I and mean, that's a lot of it i think and and not to say that they're wrong but i'm just saying that it's it's more broadcasted now Mm -hmm. Yeah, you didn't see those Facebook pictures because right, right. there wasn't any Facebook. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And and over the years, it's just more people are getting into that. And fishing itself, I don't care what kind it is, whether it's trout fishing, catfish, and bass fishing, crappie fishing, mm -hmm. it's blown up. There's fishing clubs in high schools. There's you know collegiate bass fishing. There's there's everything, and it's all just blown up and and revolutionized into this whole new ball of wax and now you see it and you constantly see it because you're an outdoorsman mm -hmm. and you relate to outdoorsman type stuff on social media so when you scroll fish picture, yeah. fish picture fish picture fish picture you didn't have that before right, right? Um, we were doing it i was gonna say you, you and richard <laughs> you know, were catching yeah, limits yeah, good yeah. keepers we were, for we were doing it pre-facebook and uh and you and, know catching big ones and 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 now i mean do we catch a lot more big ones yeah but i think that that is attributed to True Lake's just getting better and better mm. and better and better. Yeah, electronics and everything, technology is advancing, but the lake is getting better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, crappie standpoint wise. Mm -hmm. I mean, the lake is, and it's, but on the age thing, keeping a, an older crappie, you know, that's different on a fish that's like four or five years because, like, the mm -hmm. slot limit on a catfish, we're trying to return those fish right. that are older fish. Mm -hmm. Well, older's it, relative, but it, well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it could yeah. be, it could be exactly. That's um, what I'm saying. And, and that's kind of, you know, once and it gets gets into a tricky. Where do you draw the line where it helps and it doesn't help? But once those fish get up to forty inches or something, and we're letting you keep a few, that's when they don't have as much time left. But and, and it, I mean, the slot limits for to help trophy potential, and that's what it comes down to. And it's to to see bigger fish, mm -hmm. and that's what the goal of it is. On the flip side of what you were talking about, everybody posted on Facebook, I think there's still a few guys out there that go out and catch their limit every day and they don't post it on Facebook. Absolutely. And you're still not seeing how many fish yeah. they're pulling out of the lake. Yeah, absolutely. Um, most most, of, the, of, most of the guys are now, but I know of a, I know of a few guys that are guiding that yeah. you don't ever see their stuff on Facebook. But yeah. if you go down to the marina, they're there every day. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So a couple more questions and then we'll get into some of the, the hybrid and the walleye and the spoonbill. Um, seems like as the years go by, more and more black crappie than white crappie are showing up. Is this true? Uh, as far as my observations go, are there hybrid black and white crappie in Truman, or is there such a thing? In the very first episode, we did cover that there are hybrid crappie, and they can mm -hmm. have a pretty substantial growth rate, but their reproduction rate is not necessarily mm -hmm. as 
successful. And I looked into that a little more. And yes, um, hybrid crappies go really well. They are not as successful at reproducing. So they kind of disappear from the population. They can back cross, which means a hybrid can reproduce with either a, mm -hmm. a black or a white. And then you have a quarter of one and three quarters of the yeah. other. Um, they can do that, but they don't reproduce at the same rates as the other fish, which is why you don't see a lot of uh, it's why you don't see a continuum. Yeah, yeah. But right. that's why them hybrids are always big old crappie. Yeah. You go to any tournament or any of my guide trips, when we catch a big old mm -hmm. 250, mm -hmm. you know, 270, it's a hybrid. Yeah. 90% of the time. Um, you know, you'll catch big blackfish or big yeah. whitefish, of course, but most of the time it's a hybrid. Because they don't only live, what, four to six years, roughly, in tournament? Well, most of most, them. Are, most of them are four to six years. And, you know, if a fish can... With, a lot of the real, I've seen a few about 15 inches that are like seven years yeah. old. Um, there's, there's not a lot of fish over seven. But I've also explained to a lot of clients that, you know, they that ask about the electronics and everything being mm -hmm. hard on the, a crappie's worst enemy is himself, mm -hmm. essentially. Mm -hmm. Because that male goes up and, you know, builds a nest, whatever. Female comes in, spawns. How, it's 30 some hours, I don't remember. It's not very long. Those eggs become fry while he's guarding. Well, they turn to fry while he eats whatever mm -hmm. else. You know, they don't discriminate. Mm -hmm. They're not like, oh, these are my babies. They right. eat something swimming by and they right. eat it. Right. Mom has come up there and she's dropped those eggs and those things have turned to fry. Well, she's staged out here, stressed out from the spawn, ready to eat. Mm -hmm. So all these little fry come yeah. swimming out. Oh, look at there. Right. You know, so they're their own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. They eat a lot of crappie, eat a lot of crappie. Yeah. <laughs> Unbeknownst to folks. Right. Is on the question of more black crappie showing up yeah. versus white so it's a little bit of a trick question because when i look at my trap net data especially at our long-term sites where we've been trapping i have data back to the 90s and we've trapped longer than that it's all just on paper and hard to yeah. look at um, but the rates of black crappie have slowly declined over the years and we've gradually got more and more white crappie but 2019 kind of flipped that and we got a lot more black crappies in the system in 2019 and I think that was because despite well there's a couple factors despite how high the water was it was actually really clear yeah I was bow fishing in deep water above 13 mm -hmm. um, because it was clear enough to do it which yeah. never happens mm -hmm. and the other thing is black crappie thrive on aquatic vegetation so when we put it up in the trees, the water was in the trees and there's plants and everything and else. Willows, yeah. I believe that helped the black crappie because they eat more macroinvertebrates and things like that. Um, so the black crappie, crappie made a big jump in numbers in 2019. Uh, we saw, saw a lot more show up in our numbers, in our nets from the last two years. We've seen that as well. And especially on certain arms, the Tebow arm is loaded with the black crappie. Arm. Loaded with black right. crappie. Um, and a lot of them are five inches long. <laughs> but uh, last fall they were five point four, five point five inches long. <laughs> is where the peak was. You can pull up and shine those trees on them channel swings mm. sometimes, and it just just looks like a big yeah. ball of shad hung mm -hmm. up in a treetop, and it's not shad. Yeah. <laughs> um, last question, and then we'll get into the other stuff. Uh, there's a question that came in about does the MDC have any control over the water level during the spawn specifically related to bass um, feeling like you know the bass spawn gets impacted and I guess pretty much crappie and everything else in that time um, when they're dropping water or you know whatever uh, it is so 
The answer so, is not, you don't have a lot of control. Basically, the answer is there's no control. Yeah. Um, everything, and, you know, and it's, well, this gets to a core question, but they, uh, they manage everything for flood control. Mm -hmm. It's a flood control and, and power. power. Yep. Yep. Um, and, yeah, we just, yeah. It's a harsh answer. Yeah. But, I, yeah, Mother Nature's brutal mm -hmm. and the lakes for flood control. They yep. were, yeah. <laughs> That's. MDC staff, you know, uh, investigated that question pretty seriously a long time mm -hmm. ago and never got a question they wanted. And, mm -hmm. you know, in the 80s, that was, you know, a yeah. topic mm -hmm. of discussion. Mm -hmm. um, one question I've got asked a couple times was about largemouth bass and stocking largemouth bass. Um, when I looked into that, there is a very checkered history of how successful you can be stocking largemouth bass. And the larger the impoundment, the less successful you are. But there was a study that looked at a whole bunch of different studies where they tried to look at it. And they came up with kind of the average number being if you can stock 32 bass per acre, you can potentially increase your numbers by 20% if you do that every single year. And that's just a number that, you know, we would have to stock more bass than we stock everything else in the entire state just mm -hmm. about when it comes to like, we don't, that would take 1.8 million bass. And that's for a 20% increase, but that's actually in a lot of small impoundments, and they say you don't do as well in large impoundments. Mm -hmm. um, so that would basically, if we took everything we stock in all of our large reservoirs and turned it into bass, yeah. just in Truman, right. then maybe we get a marginal increase. But the problem is um, a lot of times those stock bass don't survive, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of issues that could come into play there, and it doesn't seem to be something that would be successful or worthwhile in Truman. No. Um, and then the other thing, some people talk about genetics. They have some like protocols where they stock them in Oklahoma and Tennessee, I believe it is, stocks Florida largemouths to increase the genetics. And their protocols in those states are based on the degrees of heating days and Missouri far, falls north and colder than anywhere they stock the Florida largemouths mm. in those yeah, states. Yeah, I, I knew the Florida strain that would be real good yeah. when you get north of... And th their their protocols are based on studies of it, and we're farther north than... I mean, it sounds like, from what I saw, we're farther north than anywhere they stock Florida largemouths. Yeah. Well, let's get into some of these walleye hybrids and spoonbill conversations. We'll start with walleye. Someone asked... Will they stock more walleye in the lake? Uh, I had someone write into the website recently asking for a walleye guide, to which I was like, well, if you can find one, let me know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, but, but this past spring, the bass tournament guys are catching a lot of walleyes. Right. Everybody in the last month has yeah. been catching a lot of walleye. So let's talk about that. Fill us in a little bit about the walleye plan on Truman. What do you do on stocking on a yearly basis? What the outlook of walleye is on the lake? So I guess the will we stock more walleye is kind of a two-part question. Mm -hmm. um, we're, I don't see any time in the near future changing our protocols for how we stock walleye, which is at this point, um, our, hatchery has, our hatcheries have a target number of how many fish they're gonna produce. Mm -hmm. And we call that our production fish. And then anything over that is called surplus. And under our plan, walleye, and I don't remember whether it's odd or even, but every other year, walleye are kind of at the tail end of the production where their target is to produce enough fish to mm -hmm. include Truman. 
and then every other year we're on the front end of the surplus list, mm -hmm. which is to say if there's any extra fish after they're done in the hatchery, then we get, we get fish. And that number, what we try to stock is 150,000. And like I said, every other year it's surplus, every other year it's production. And I don't see that 150,000 number changing. Um, however, you know, we're always trying to improve what we do. And if we can produce more walleye in the hatcheries, then that will more consistently get that 150,000. Yeah. And at least for the last couple years, we've done fairly well. Um, but it's still, it just comes down to hatchery production. And on the good years, we're gonna get fish. And on the bad years, it's gonna be questionable whether we get fish. Um, now, one thing we do have going on with the walleye right now is we have a lot of fish that are between 14 and Jeff, you're catching them is the bigger end, 16 inches on yeah, a lot of them. Yeah. We have a lot of fish between 14 and 16 inches that I believe are two-year-old fish that came from the flood year that were naturally reproduced. And, you know, that kind of goes back to, you're talking about how many fish probably catching, people are catching more walleye than they probably ever caught in yeah. Truman. Well, yeah, um, I mean, a long time ago when the lake was really early, early, it was yeah. good. It yeah. Was, yeah, it was good, yeah. Because it just came out of a river. Probably, you know, the best walleye numbers that we've seen yeah. since the 80s Agreed. anyway. And that just goes and show you how much you can gain from some natural reproduction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what we stock can't compete with the amount of fish that can be produced if if everything lines up and the spawn goes well. Yep. And, you know, one thing in general about our stock fish is if you look at what we stock, in Truman anyway, we stock paddlefish, hybrids, and walleye. And paddlefish and hybrids, even though we stock so many per the lake, they all end up getting necked down into a certain spot. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a certain stretch of river and when the paddlefish make their run, that's where the paddlefish are. Yep. You know, we may have a 55,000 acre reservoir, but the paddlefish snagging happens in a fraction. 30 acres of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd go a little higher than 30 acres, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, yeah. Um, a fraction of that. And to some extent, it's kind of the same way for hybrids because of the way they school and the way they end up in certain areas. Mm -hmm. Most of the hybrid fishing, I mean, most of the hybrid fishing happens on five humps, yeah. you know, or yeah. something like that. I'd have to, you know, count them up, but there's yeah. not very many of them. Um, so, you know, these fish that we're stocking, even though, you know, what we're stocking, in some ways we don't have to stock the entire lake because they naturally kind of neck themselves down a little bit. Um, whereas something like walleye end up all over the place. But what's different about walleye is, is there is some natural reproduction and it's more of a uh, supplemental thing and supplementing what's out there. And, I mean, our, you know, we can't realistically expect to have a great walleye fishery because we don't stock enough for it because it would be an outrageous number of fish we'd have to stock every year to do it. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of a, a bonus fish in a lot of ways. And there's, mm -hmm. you know, that's not to say there aren't a couple guys out there that are walleye fishing because right. there are, and there's some guys that can figure it out, but you got to know what you're doing. I think there were some guys catching limits last week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But 150,000, um, and this might be kind of shooting, putting you on the spot, but like, say a walleye, when they milk a walleye, you know, how many, or say that you get the eggs out of one, how many, how many does a one normally carry, roughly? I don't, I don't know the answer to that question, but I know that 
for the state, we're looking to produce one and a half million fish. It bounces around. I think it's depending on the year, but somewhere around 1.4, 1.5 million fish. And I think when we collect them, we're normally collecting about 200 fish to get to that number. Okay. Wow. Um, so that's pretty substantial. Yeah. 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 So. Because I always wondered, even like crappie, I didn't know how many eggs total, you know, is it 100,000, is it 20,000? And I guess, I get another thing in there with your question is that's what we're, so we're getting 1.5 million fish out of there, but that's after you, you take the eggs out and some of the eggs don't hatch and then you put them in the raceways for a while and some of those fish die. And then another big factor, they put them out in the ponds outside and I'm not sure probably for a month and a half or two months. I'm not sure exactly how long, but they put them outside and they may not return, but 50% of their fish after they stick them outside. Stupid herons. Mm -hmm. So you're, you know, you're starting with, I don't know, they're probably starting with 5 million or something like that. That's a guess, but yeah, they're starting with a lot more than 1.5 million. How big are they by the time they get stocked in Truman? Really small. Still. Um, Between an inch and two inches, that's actually what our number is, so that's... And they look even an inch or two inches look smaller when you see the fish in your hand. <laughs> little translucent right. guy who yeah. guts. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's freaking, I mean, that's really cool. So, And I can send you some pictures if you want to yeah. send them out or something. Yeah, that'd be awesome. What is the purpose of the hybrids? I mean, I mean besides having fun catching them. Just I think curious. that is the purpose. Okay. That's a cool purpose. <laughs> I mean, when, yeah. They're fun when, to catch. Uh, especially, you know, what I've read when we started stocking back in the 80s, it was to provide a sport fish sport that fishing. people like to catch. Awesome. Um, yeah, they're fun to catch. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I, I swear I had another question on the walleye, but since we're on hybrids, something kind of interesting you and I were talking about because there's a couple questions that have come in about stripers and why can't we stock stripers in Truman? And at the time, I said, well, I'll find out. I don't know that they've ever been in Truman, but that's not true, that there was an attempt to put stripers yeah. in Truman. So stripers were stocked in Truman in 77 to 81, I think. If you really want to know, I can pull my computer up and get the numbers. But um, I think the last year was 1981. I know that we stocked them a few years after the dam was closed. And I think we stocked them a couple years before. Um, And from what I've read, they never showed up in the creel, which is to say they never saw people catching them. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, biologically actually makes a lot of sense, knowing what we know now, because Truman's too warm of a lake to really hold them. And then they're also, like, notoriously bad for running through the dam mm-hmm. and going downstream. Mm-hmm. So the combination, you know, mainly the water temperature is too warm. But in addition to that, you have issues with them going through the dams and, and not being able to hold them in the lake. Yeah. So we have hybrid striped bass and or wipers, and it's popular. Like you said, there's several areas that are particularly popular. Right around the dam is pretty much most of the summertime. You can go find them. Um, what's kind of the protocol on the hybrids for Truman? What's that? So, project? as far as stocking yep. goes, yep. the protocols for the hybrids is almost the same as the walleye. Okay. Um, we stock 166,000 a year which is three per acre is and that's i say that's what we stock that's a target number which (coughs) is what we shoot for but in the end really doesn't mean a whole lot because you know i think two years ago we stocked six hundred thousand wall or not wall six hundred thousand hybrids because that's what hatchery produced Mm -hmm. 
Um, but like walleye, we flip-flop back and forth with Lake of the Ozarks for who gets the production fish mm -hmm. and who gets the surplus fish. Um, so every other year, those are production fish, and every other year, they're surplus fish. Um, but, you know, Truman gets 166,000 fish. Lake of the Ozarks, if they're ahead of Truman in line, gets 166,000 fish. And the whole rest of the state gets like 50 or 100,000 fish. Um, maybe not even that many. I'd have to do the math and look the numbers. But if the hatchery does well, they produce enough fish, the Truman gets fish. And if the hatchery, you know, has a down year, we don't get fish. And that's just kind of what it ends up being. Mm -hmm. um, well, they grow pretty rapidly, though, huh? They do. So you turned them loose the other day. Some of them was three inches long. Mm -hmm. and some yeah, of them I don't was know that any an inch and a half. No. They were, uh, yeah. Probably more like an inch to two and a half inches, yeah. but I don't know. I, I doubt any of them were three inches. But I mean, but in two years or three years, so those fish will be how big, roughly? Obviously, it varies a little bit with growth. Right, right. But right now, I'm sure you've been catching a few of the hybrids, mm -hmm. even though you're not targeting them. Right. There's a lot of them in the lake that are between 15 and 18 inches, mm -hmm. and those are two-year-old fish. Yeah. Um, and that's when we stocked 600,000 fish in 2019 um, I was kind of you know playing around to kind of <clears throat> a study of sorts to see how much they moved we put them all in at Barry Bend and I've been getting reports that they're all over the lake yeah. um, well, as many of you guys have been catching in the last two weeks mm -hmm. I think they're all down on the weir mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. well yeah Every yeah. one of them. Yeah. You know, I've been catching a few of them there. <laughs> so there's definitely a lot of them there, but I'm, I'm hearing reports of them in a lot of other places too. They've moved all over the lake, and they apparently survived well. They've grown well. And I say those fish are 15 to 18 inches. Um, I've, from some of the guys I've talked, you can see a few of the fish from last year, and the fish that we stocked in 2020 aren't as big as a one-year-old fish as the fish we stocked in 2020. 2019 were his one-year-old fish mm. so our one-year-old fish might be growing a little slower than our two-year-old fish which makes sense because we we stocked them in a flood yeah um and fish like water and that flood just you know produced a lot of food and everything out there and i think they those those 2019 fish got a really good boost from a from that flood year and a bigger fish eats more food mm -hmm. yeah I mean, and the yeah. faster you get big the more you can get bigger yeah. <laughs> you know it, it's kind of a it's a kind of a snowball effect yep well and they're eating a lot of crappie too that's and what i was just getting ready to say <laughs> i mean cody's been cleaning the hell out of them with three to four inch crappie in mm -hmm. their stomachs i think bob bates has as well um so interesting you kind of touched on it but someone wrote in that they had heard that the hybrids are running a little smaller in the last couple years i don't necessarily know exactly what they mean if they just been hearing a few <laughs> anglers here and they're not catching any big ones sounds like you said a lot of them are that 15 to so, 18 inch range um yeah we're seeing a lot of fish right now that are 15 to 18 inches and if you get out there and fish for them you're not going to catch the big fish where you catch the little fish mm -hmm. or i mean if you were targeting them, you would go to different places and try different tactics and do different things. So you could very easily get into catching a whole bunch of 16-inch hybrids and be like, where's the 24-inchers? Well, they're in a different spot. Mm -hmm. um, so if, yeah, if you want to go target 20-some-inch fish, when you find the 16-inchers, go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, well, and one of the things that I hear from some of the guides that 
do a lot of hybrid fishing. They're out there, like you said, concentrated, usually with a lot of other boats in the same mm -hmm. general areas, usually on the lower lake within five to 10 miles of the dam. And they notice that a lot of people are keeping what they think are white bass, but in reality, it's a bunch mm -hmm. of pound and a half to two pound, two pound hybrids. Um, what is the best way for an angler to identify a hybrid versus a white oh, bass? That, that gets into a tricky question because when you see enough fish, you just look at them right. and you know. Um, the hybrids, well, when you catch them, you can know because they fight better than the mm -hmm. white bass. Not that that's an identifying characteristic, right. but you you can get some hints there when they fight when a fish is fighting a little better than any of the white bass you catch, and then their lines are bolder. And then one of the technical ways is if you look in their mouth, they have a tooth patch that is in a V shape as opposed to more of a blob. Um, but mainly, I you know when I look at them, I'm looking at how bold those lines are. Yeah, and, and that's that'd be something maybe I can we should get I should get some pictures together. And just that's one thing I've noticed when I've caught them. They a lot of the white bass they have one black line that goes all the way into the tail and stops at the tail, whereas those hybrids mm -hmm. will have two or three solid black lines that go very all, predominant. That go all the way into the tail. They don't stop short. They go all the way into the tail. Yeah, all those lines are going to be more bolder and more noticeable. Yeah. Yeah. Like he said, when you look at them enough, you know, when somebody pulls one in, even a 15 inch, right. you know, I look at it, they're, they're a little sleeker yeah. looking yeah. fish almost, they're, you know, yeah. a hybrid, they're, a they're, I wouldn't say thinner, I'm talking top to bottom, yeah. but just, yeah. just a sleeker looking, mm -hmm. thinner looking fish than a, fifth, than a white bass. A 15 inch white bass is deeper bodied than a yeah. 15 inch mm -hmm. hybrid. Now, you get to hybrids that are up a little big, bigger, right. then that changes a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah um, because there was times in... You know, they're 2000, I think back, what is this, 21, so 10, 2007, 8, 9, you know, we had some big water years mm -hmm. back then, but we had some years where we was catching 10 to 13 pounders, just yeah. mm -hmm. national. Yeah. And national. as far as the, the max, the, the high end of the hybrids, you know, I've aged a lot of hybrids and I, I've aged... I've aged one fish that was 16, and I think I've had a few 14s, maybe three 14-year-old fish. We've got a lot of fish that are in what would be the 10 or 11-year-old class now. That I haven't aged this year's fish yet, but last year I was seeing a lot of 9 or 10-year-old fish. Um, and what that tells me is, you know, they're living, mm -hmm. they're living long enough to be big. Mm -hmm. So then it's the matter of, you know, we're not over-harvesting them. So if they're not growing out, if they're not maxing out as big, then it's a growth thing. Yeah. And growth issue, you can't, growth issue would be hard. <clears throat> well, for the most part, it would be hard to address a growth issue. It would be possible that, and it's something that I'll, and maybe in the long term I'll look at some, it's possible if we stocked less fish, there'd be less competition and they grow better. Um, but I think most people would rather catch more fish and not have yeah. quite as many on the high end. Well, and they're um, kind of like other things too, where there's a window, right? When it gets good mm -hmm. <clears throat> and people are going to chase them in that window mm -hmm. and then come August or September, mm -hmm. they're probably not going to chase them much. Right. In October, when the water temperature starts cool and get on windblown points mm -hmm. and rocky banks, mm -hmm. they're going to start throwing rooster tails up yeah. there and catching them again, you know, but that, you know, they're not going to really chase them in March, April, May, Mm -hmm. first part of June and then mm -hmm. it starts to turn on mm -hmm. you know they catch them in a window and then they move on to something else it's mm -hmm. like other things you know not like yeah. crappie or catfish <clears throat> or whatever where you just all year long 
Where do they go in the winter months? Because that's it's like they people don't even see them or find them. Deep, I reckon. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, you <laughs> know, where nobody finds them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like where do blue cats I mean, spawn? Underground, <laughs> right? You know, they dig tunnels and they go down toward the center of the earth somewhere, and you never see them again mm -hmm. until they're done. Mm -hmm. And then they come out with sores and stuff, broke fins and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing Cody's told me, when the water temperature gets up, especially into the mid-80s, I mean, you'll catch a hybrid, and he is a pretty confident believer, as I think the other hybrid guides are, as well are, that if you let that fish go, it's going to come back up to the surface, <laughs> and I think it comes from a lot of experience of them seeing that. Yeah. Why is that with well, a hybrid? I think they got that opinion a little bit because I told them that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, they, I mean... Don't I think they put off an acid in their stomach when they're I don't, stressed? I don't necessarily know the technical or biological reason for it, but I know that there are studies and, you know, the, really around, in, in the study I've seen, and around 75 degrees on the water temperature, you may be killing 10 or 15% of them. And even if you, you know, I've, I've heard these stories, you know, people say, well, I turn my fish loose and they look great when they swim off and they don't die. It's not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I've, I years ago I heard a guy talking about that. He said I was always that guy, and then they came out on my boat and they studied my fish, and they swam off fine, and they still died. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, when you get the water temperature about seventy-five to eighty is where it starts jumping up, and by the time you hit eighty-five degrees or ninety eighty-five to ninety degrees, you're killing at least fifty percent of the fish. Um, so yeah, it kind of. Um, from a biological standpoint or uh you know i would say especially on a put and take fishery if, if you're catching a big hybrid in the months of july and august and you're thinking about keeping it go ahead and keep it because you're there's a good chance you're going to kill that right. fish either way um so yeah especially if you know I, and i think cody and some of those guys have gone more towards especially when the fishing's good they're they're catching their four fish mm -hmm. and then they're calling it quits because yeah. we're not going to we're not going to kill, gonna kill a bunch of them. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And if you were if you were fishing down by the weir the last few weeks, you've seen the yeah. you've seen the, do, the the floating hybrids and and white bass, you know that were have you know accumulated because I mean thousands of fish have been caught up there. You know, mm -hmm. I would say thousands, but you know I've probably caught hundreds in the month of June. Yeah. There's a lot of people mm -hmm. fishing out there, so you know tens of thousands of white bass and hybrids have probably been caught out there. Do the white bass have the same issue as the hybrids as far as they're just I mean, Why do they die? I mean, it stresses them out. Yeah. And that's what I've mean, always heard that they get stressed. I mean, I they... guess it, you know, I guess it'd be like if we went out and ran a marathon and, you know, some of us could handle it and some of us it's just their last dying effort it just, yeah they when, fight till the day and, you know, yeah yeah and i guess the uh you know the warmer the water it is the more stress it puts on them so but do the white bass have as much of a problem with that as the hybrids there gets to be a size question in there okay um and i think it's probably going to be harder on bigger fish yeah. and partially because those fish fight harder and it takes you longer to get them into the boat um so to some extent, you don't necessarily see it as much with whites, but it's probably because they're smaller fish and you can horse them into the boat and mm -hmm. it don't take them as long as fight them. Right. And, you know, to some extent, it's not necessarily a well-studied uh, well topic, especially on hybrids, but, you know, the bigger rigs you're using, the faster you get them in the boat and the faster you get them out of the boat, in all likelihood, the better chance they have of surviving. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, 
if you're up there crappie fishing and hook into a hybrid and it takes you 15 minutes to get him in the boat. He's going to die. He's, he doesn't have a good chance. If I remember right, lake trout <coughs> the same way way up north. Yeah. I think they do mm. the same thing. Because we yeah. would catch them big old lake trout and fight them and fight them and fight them and fight them and fight them. And I mean, even you would keep them, they'd be dead in mm. no time. Mm -hmm. they just... Yeah, and you know, some, some fish live better than others. And hybrids are a species that, you know, I don't know, they're temperate bass just in general, don't seem to survive as yeah. well as some. Um, like a you shad. Know, mm -hmm. you can, like a shad. You could, you know, um, yeah, it has to be like something like a common carp. You could fight a common carp and uh, gar the same way. I think you could leave them out on the bank. He would, yeah, you yeah, could but, leave a bank, gar on the bank for yeah. a day and it feels like you throw him back in there and he just swims on. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Maybe yeah. not entirely true. And, and actually, I think, yeah. So some species are just more prone to stressing out and the water, water yeah. makes it even worse. And, you know, the bigger they are and the harder they fight, the more it's going to take out of them. Yeah, we see that with catfish even. No. You know, a blue cat this time of year, you know, if you put him in a live well and you don't keep a lot of water on him, keep it running pretty good in that warm water, you know, he'll turn mm -hmm. up. A flathead, you can leave him in the bottom of the boat and he dries out and you can't see out of his mm -hmm. eyes, whiskers sticking to him, mm -hmm. whatever, and you throw him back in a live well and he just swims up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting between the species. How are you, so when you're sampling hybrids, um, you're taking, or you're not using net, are you just going with so, anglers that provide the fish? How do you get so the fish to... What I've done for hybrids is I just take fish from anglers. Okay. Um, it's not real easy to sample hybrids, and a lot of the places where they do sample hybrids, they do it with gill nets, and you tend to kill fish when you use gill nets, and we've just, kind of as a state agency, we don't really do much with gill nets right. because of that. With some exceptions, you know, I think in the Missouri, I think they do some gill netting in the Missouri River for sturgeon, but they're actively fishing them. So, mm -hmm. you know, the net's only in the water for, right. you know, 15 minutes or 30 minutes gotcha. and they're pulling it right back out. <clears throat> but, you know, for, you know, for us in hybrids, we have not, we've not gill netted them. And, and I think that's largely because you're killing fish yeah. if you gill net. So then, you know, for me, I've, you know, easiest place for me to get fish is to get them from guides because right. you know I won't throw any numbers out there with how many fish they give me but they give me a lot of fish in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll get complaints if I told you how many fish are yeah. catching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't doubt it. Um, well that brings actually brings me back to a question I had about the walleye mm -hmm. uh, which was do you do much sampling on the walleye with the electro shocking? We don't do much with walleye. We'll pick walleye up in our bass samples at times and you know but a lot of that is you know the population isn't big enough for us well there's not a real easy way to go sample walleye yeah. and i say that and I, I started to say the population isn't big enough but actually um i think we could probably run up the rivers and do some walleye sampling which is something i've thought about but that takes different you know that takes mm -hmm. a whole nother boat because you're talking about getting a jet boat, which I can kind of, I don't, I can't say that I don't have access to a jet boat yeah. completely, but I don't have one that's under my control. Right, right. So it becomes a little more complicated for me to run up and, and sample walleyes. Um, and then, I, I mean, anytime I'm sampling, I have to ask the question, how much time do I put into it and what am I getting out of it? Right. And that's not to say there isn't value in it, but um, at this point it hasn't worked out where it's made sense for me because there's a lot of other things I have to do too. Right. So, 
that kind of brings us to the last stocked fish that we wanted to talk about, which was spoonbill. Um, and just kind of see, you know, how, how the lake is managed for spoonbill, what the process is, what the, what the outlook for the spoonbill population is on Truman. And just get your thoughts mm -hmm. on that. So I'll start with saying that this, the paddlefish or spoonbill mm -hmm. are managed a little differently than everything else in the lake. Um, paddlefish are managed more at the statewide level. So I'm involved with the management of paddlefish in Truman, but it's it, everything else is more directly under me and paddlefish yeah. is kind of separated out to a different category. Where we've been doing a long study, we just did a five-year study that included other reservoirs and, and rivers and then um, the stocking is all kind of determined at a statewide level, which is kind of true for the other fish too. Um, but I guess that's to preface it all by I'm not as involved with it, so I'm a little has a little more hesitant to go into the details yes. because I don't I don't know uh, I'm not the end all. That's not well, yours. I'm not ever the end all. There's always people ahead of me or above me, mm -hmm. um, but I'm I'm less involved with it, so you know I can talk about it, but I'm a little more hesitant to go into some of the details and the things sure. I think because you know. I don't always agree with everyone right <laughs> and and but that being said you know we stock paddlefish our target is 15,000 fish to stock every year paddlefish are production fish every year so we're trying to get fish every year mm -hmm. and then every third year we do what we call a pulse stocking where we try to stock 30,000 so an additional 15,000 every third year and just like the other fish if the hatchery really produces then we get more fish yeah. if they don't produce we yeah. get less fish but you know that's you know our target's 15,000 a year and we let's see we stocked fish you know actually we stocked we just got done stocking all three species of fish this year i guess we didn't talk about mm -hmm. how this year went um and i think we ended up with somewhere i think it was a no, it was not quite 100,000. I think it was 99,988 was the uh -huh. official number, wow. which is an estimate. So, you know, there's a 50-50 chance we got 100,000 <laughs> yeah. fish just about because they're, uh, they'll weigh them, yeah. weigh them out at the hatchery and then, you know, count a certain amount at a certain weight and then weigh everything and then use that to determine kind of an estimate mm -hmm. of how many fish we got. And I haven't been there for the process, so I'm... I know that's how they do it, but right. I really haven't seen it or exactly mm -hmm. what it looks like. But so yeah, that's how that works. And yeah, so paddlefish, we got a bunch of fish this year. Yeah, we got, actually, we've had six years in a row with pretty good stockings, um, which those fish should start showing up in the fishery in in you know in in your catch. So they should be making to 34 inches here pretty quick. And that's when I'm talking about the last six years. Yeah. We've got six years in a row. And that, what's been stocked six years ago now, um, you know, should be getting up close to 34 inches yeah. or at least some of those fish. So, yeah, and, and there's a lot going on with paddlefish. In some ways, I, I think we've got a lot of information, a lot of interesting stuff going on with that study, but there's also a lot of details that are hard to quite pin down exactly, mm -hmm. you know, what the numbers are. Um, we know there's some natural recruitment in the fishery but to pin down exactly what that number is is a little bit difficult yeah um and then we've been looking at exploitation and we know that there's you know there's quite a few fish coming out of the fishery but actually when i look at the numbers um 
I don't I don't really have any concerns for the paddlefish mm. or the numbers of fish coming out of the fishery. And I guess, um, and to some extent, especially on Truman, although we get a little bit into, and it's easy for me to think of paddlefish above the dam and below the mm -hmm. dam, where technically, I guess we're just talking about Truman, right. and, yeah. and technically what's below the dam's somebody else's right. management biologist down there. Um, but yeah, when I look at the numbers, I think we've seen exploitation as high as 10%, which means in snagging season, we're catching 10% of the fish. Mm -hmm. um, but when I, you know, run what's going into the fishery and, and everything else, it, I think we could go quite a bit higher than that before we would crash the population. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also hard to, you know, anytime you model a population, it's kind of a guess. Yeah. And you just do the best you can to get the numbers you you hope are as close as possible and, and go from there. But So where do folks go to target them on Truman? Oh, starting somewhere up around Tally Bend and going upstream yeah. with the with the year. Yeah. So yeah. Start start the season lower in the lake, but still, you know, relative. Yeah. <laughs> for everything else it would be high in the lake, but for paddlefish, Tally Bend, maybe a little below Tally Bend. You know, and that's a, mostly because the Osage River up there is just so much bigger, a lot more water moving usually in the springtime, mm -hmm. whatever, because mm -hmm. there's a ton of spoonbill in all the other arms. Mm -hmm. And we're mm -hmm. seeing that with the new technology, mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, when I'm crappie fishing with the active target, I'm like, big spoonbill, five feet, big spoonbill, <laughs> yep. five feet, big spoonbill. You right. know what I mean? It's like, holy yeah. mm -hmm. smokes, and things are everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then jumping. I mean, that was whatever one dumb reason why they do it, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Maybe you do. You might might be a good question for you, but there there's some interesting things with paddlefish. I don't know that. I don't have the answers. I don't know why they jump. Isn't that but, crazy how they do it though? I mean, it's like a like a whale. Yeah. There's you know? a, there was actually a study. I went up. I don't remember where they did it. Up in South Dakota or something, where they had telemetry tags on spoonbill, and they saw that when the lake iced over, I think it was one of the big Missouri River reservoirs up there, when the lake iced over, the spoonbill swam around and gradually got slightly shallower until it thawed out. Hmm. It was like they'd swim around, and, you, and when I mean slightly shallower, it's like they'd swim around for a week and get a foot higher in the water column. Mm -hmm. But it was like very consistent. It huh. was like just slightly higher and slightly higher and, and you know in a meeting with a bunch of biologists they get to the end of the end of the presentation and somebody's like so why do they do that and the guy's like <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know yeah. what do you guys think it right. seems like in oh. june when the water temperature gets up you know over 75 starts yeah. hitting that 80 mark those yep. things just come shooting up and then lay flat and hit you know they, all they do the time and you're yeah. fishing up on the weir, and there's somebody in the boat next to you. It's like, what was that? And like, it's a big battle. Uh -huh. I mean, but I mean, they're all you're just driving down the lake, and you oh, just yeah. see them out of the corner of your eye, just yep. all over yeah. the place. Have I you ever hit one? No, but I've had them like jump. It would be crappie <laughs> fishing, and one just come up by the boat and literally splash you. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, that close, or hit the boat. Uh -huh. You yeah. know, I've had them come up in front of the boat where I'm thinking, oh, oh no, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I remember distinctly I was with Brad Jelinek last summer in the Osage Arm, just a couple miles up yeah. from Barry Bend, and chasing crappie around, but dozens and oh, yeah. dozens. Yeah. Yep. I mean, if not hundreds, for our four-hour trip, just constant all over the place. Coming up like it's, that. It's not like they come jumping out, you know, like a dolphin uh -huh. does. It's a, it's like a big whale. Like they go straight as they can go. <laughs> yeah. Fall. Uh -huh. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah. I've heard all kinds of things. They're trying to shake stuff loose or you yeah. know, whatever. I'm I don't I don't know the answer to why they do that. But Maybe I can they're... confirm that I, they do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. All you have to do is go out on the Me lake. Me too. For a day this, you go out on the lake for a day this oh, time yeah. of the year and you yeah. see them. I don't, I don't know why they do it. Um, now, as far as you say, you're seeing them in the lower lake. You know, one thing about paddlefish that is different about the other species is they seem to more readily move around. Mm -hmm. And there's some variation from species to species for sure. And it's you know, it's not necessarily easy to get the tracking data to do it. Especially you can't track fish on Truman effectively unless it's something like paddlefish. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you tried to, you know, track a blue catfish. He'd run off in some corner of the lake where you'd never find him again. Yeah. Um, whereas paddlefish, you know, they kind of congregate. You know, there's a lot all over the lake, but there's also a reason people hit the Osage arm. Mm -hmm. I've know. seen them schools a mile, you know, measured it on my graph, a mile, mile and a half long, mm -hmm. and then watch that school just, you know, move up mm -hmm. the river over a period of days. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. it's kind of weird. And, yeah. And then, you know, and you're talking about moving over days, but you know, from the spawn and where those fish bouncing all around, I mean, it seems like a high percentage of those fish end up at the dam part of the mm -hmm. year and a high percentage of those fish end up above Osceola mm -hmm. part of the year. And I don't think, you know, I'm sure blue cats move around quite a bit, but I don't think most of your fish in the lake, you know, paddlefish probably move about as much as anything. Yeah. Um, I know hybrids move a lot on some of the studies I've seen. Hybrids move a lot and, uh, catfish and the blue catfish move a lot and the paddlefish move a lot um some of the other species i know walleye don't move near as much doesn't mean they can't you'll have a few fish that will mm -hmm. um but they don't move to the same extent as some of those other fish and you know i'm sure i think bass to stay in place a little more your flatheads to stay mm -hmm. around a little more I don't know as much about crappie movement but i don't think they move quite as much they don't either. move as much as people um, think they do mm -hmm. but uh yeah, it kind of varies by species, but paddlefish, kind of where we started this governor, are more ones that those things that move. And even if you take it outside of uh, outside of, of Truman, you know, we had tagged fish. There was fish that were tagged in Truman that got caught at Gavin's Point in South Dakota. <laughs> like fish that were in Truman and went to Lake of the Ozarks and went to the Osage River and then swam a long way. I don't know yeah. how far that is. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, swam hundreds of miles upstream until they finally hit a dam and they had to stop. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, I've seen, I know of other situations. Um, my brother's in fisheries too, and he was tracking fish. He tracked lake sturgeon for a while on the Osage and Gasconade River, and they had some paddlefish that they could pick up the, the numbers for. And he said, you know, paddlefish would like go to one tributary for a week and then come back and be in the Osage or the next week <laughs> mm -hmm. and um, how much they'd move around and, and maybe, you know, I'm not probably not exactly right on the details there, but definitely seeing paddlefish just like skip country and then <laughs> right. and then come back. And then show back you up. Know, on systems bigger than Truman Lake. Yeah. So you know they're running all over Truman. There's probably fish that come off of the Osage and run up to Grand and then, sure, you know, on a whim just decide to go back to Osceola. Man, those jokers are everywhere. I can mm -hmm. tell you that it's it's crazy crappie fishing. You just see so many of them. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. Yeah, we were. I mean, we were on the Osage again. I was with David Townsend on Friday, and we were back in pretty far back in a big cove. And oh yeah, had a couple go by the live scope. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Plain as day on the live scope. Oh, There's yeah. no, no denying what it is when you see them. So, well, we covered everything uh you know i'm sure there's going to be more questions that come up of uh with this stuff and we're going to be staying in touch with chris here just here on out um i did see the, and this is probably a one-off video that chris or even the guides but someone said I'd, I'd like them to discuss the differences in the various arms the water type the common structures versus the other arms and then the predominant species in each so catfish on the grand or crappie on the tea that's a pretty that's a whole show. That, I was gonna say that is a yeah. whole show. I could break that down like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. And put it all back together. So so that one's probably got multiple answers depending on who you talk to as well. Yeah. So um, that I is think, one we'll get to at a different time. And I think real briefly, I guess you know. Well, for one thing, I probably if I had to guess, I probably spent a hundred days a year on the lake, which is a lot for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Jeff probably spends three hundred days a year mm-hmm. on the lake. Uh, Two eighty. 281 or 283 last year. Wow. I wasn't very far off. And it froze up on you. Yeah. 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 Um, But anyway, you know, I spend a lot of time on the lake, but I also look at the lake and, you know, my 100 days are different than your 300 days because of how we look at the lake and what we're doing when we're out there. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, some of those questions, some part of that question is, stuff I can answer and part of it you know you as a fisherman have a lot better idea about sure. some you know that's what I like about this format and talking to you and other guides yeah is you know there's there's things that you answer by running a bunch of trap nets and there's information that you know the best way for me to get that information is to talk to you mm-hmm. yeah um, and you know that that question has you know some of both in it but very quickly you know the palmy is more of you know it comes out of the ozarks mm-hmm. it comes out of the mm-hmm. you know palm de terre it's a kind of an osage an ozark system so that affects the clarity and what everything's like up there as far as you know it's it's it still gets all the muddy water and mixes in and everything but it's more like an ozark reservoir yeah. than anywhere else on the lake and T-bar. shorter growing seasons mm-hmm. you know clear yeah. water arms are going to have shorter growing seasons mm-hmm. because the water's not going to stay warm mm-hmm. as longer so mm-hmm. you know when people mm-hmm. start looking for big crappie you know there's big crappie there mm-hmm. but you know when you start getting close to your rivers and stuff where the water stays dirty longer you're going to have longer growing yeah. seasons more nutrient soils stuff like that so and then if yeah you go up tebow um, well, the core does water quality stuff, mm-hmm. and the Tebow, you know, the water quality, there's not as many nutrients up right. there. It's a little bit clearer, I think, in general on the, on the big Tebow. Um, and it's, you know, another, it's a smaller tributary. Yep. Um, and then if you, you know, the, the Grand is obviously bigger than those tributaries, but it's not near the size of the Osage right. tributary. Um, and, you know, sometimes people ask me questions, and it's kind of like, well, for when you come down to fish, it depends on if we had a rainstorm that was in the Osage and missed the Grand, then you're going to have clear water on the Grand. If we had a storm come through that hammered the Grand, you know, what's happened in the last week can affect, you know, the differences between those. 100%. We're running into that right now with high water. Mm-hmm. You know, today um, the lake was 717 something, you know, coming up. And, you know, for the longest time, you know, anytime we get current in, the catfishing is going to get good. Mm-hmm. And like, just like on the Tebow, the catfishing was just excellent, excellent, excellent. But then that Osage is so big and the Tebow is so small, it hits a point where it starts getting big enough 
Well, then that Osage starts pushing backwards up that T-bow, mm -hmm. right? So then the bite goes to crud. Mm -hmm. Well, on the Osage, you still got that good current. So, yeah. you know, that bite's still going to be good, yeah. but this bite's terrible mm -hmm. because it's pushing them, mm -hmm. to push, you know. So, yeah. like you said, day-to-day -day factors. Yeah. And when Missouri gets right and they can crack the dam open, Katie bar the door. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then you also, to some extent, as you move across the reservoir, um, as you go from Warsaw to Clinton, you change from being in the Ozarks. Yep. Rocks to mud. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to being more in the plains, the grassland, prairie type stuff. Um, so you can kind of see that's a difference, you know. So you mm -hmm. more your your bluffs on the Grand you go to through a Bucksaw, and then all of a sudden it just flattens out. Yep. And you got yep. the great big wide open area up around. Um, Hay Creek. Yeah. yeah. Once you get up to Hay Creek and above, it flattens Pretty out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's a little bit of difference there. Some parts of the lake have more timber than others. And you know, when you get lower in the lake, you know, just by the fact that you raise the water level more, yeah. you're not going to have as much t tr timber and stuff. So it's easier to run wide open. You know, for our less experienced boaters that sure. don't know where to go. And that's what it is. And, you know, and think of the marinas. You know, mm -hmm. you got Long Shoal and you got Bucksaw and you got State Park and they're all one, two, three, kind of starting at that grand mm -hmm. arm and running up. So that's going to concentrate a lot of your traffic in those areas. Mm -hmm. um, and the Osage is not as easy to run for a yep. novice as the Grand is for a ways. Mm -hmm. The Tebow is not easy for anybody to run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but... You know, yeah. those, that kind of stuff, it's, it's all a huge factor. But what's nice is there's, there's areas on the lake, um, Brush Creek, Hogles Creek, um, some of these big creeks like that, or big coves, I guess you'd call them. Those things fish like little lakes by mm -hmm. themselves. You could virtually, Hogles Creek and Brush Creek, and um, there's another one. But you could almost stay in there all year long. Mm -hmm. Fish every pattern, fish your summer pattern, your winter pattern, your spring pattern, fish every single pattern and never leave that cove because you've got all kinds, everything that those fish need. Mm -hmm. They've got deep water on them, channel swings, they've got flats on the other sides, they've got the creek stuff all the way in the backs. You know, you could fish those, those creeks all year long and never leave them. Yeah. Just switch patterns as the seasons change. Mm -hmm. And that's what's kind of cool about about trimming. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chris, thanks for being here again, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. I got one more thing. Yeah. With all these questions and 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 all this stuff, and like you said, you've got some resources now where you're working with us a lot, mm -hmm. and and there's a few more guides popping up, so you got a little, mm -hmm. a few more fruits to pick off the tree. But um, with the hatchery doing what they're doing, and and these people with questions and stuff, is there volunteer programs? Like if somebody was retired and wanted to help out at the hatchery or anything in fisheries that NDC does that any volunteer work that people could help with? I, I'm not sure what the hatchery's doing now. So the, the hatchery did have volunteers for their visitor center, but we've closed down the visitor center. Uh -huh, right. I don't know if they're taking volunteers anymore over there. I generally don't take volunteers just because of the liability and paperwork. Sure. Yep, I understand. I, I just kind of steer away from it because it makes life easy. Sure. I, I understand. No, I get it. You I, know, I understand, you know, yeah. for, you know, when I was, you know, younger and, you know, had opportunities, you know, you know, I understand why people would want to volunteer. Yeah. I'm a fisheries guy. I love being on the lake myself. Sure. Um, 
but it's easier for me to steer steer clear of it most of the time. Yeah, I get it. And we do have we do have some programs that have volunteers. We don't take a lot necessarily in this area, but there are um, some like our Discover Nature fishing program takes some volunteers, which is going out and helping kids fish or learn how to fish. Um, so there there's some opportunities out there um, for me on Truman Lake. I just turned the volunteers down, unfortunately. I mean, I, it's not necessarily the answer I want right. to give you, but yeah, sure. that's yeah. just kind of where I yeah. ended yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. Well, good deal. Um, sounds great. Whatever questions you guys have, keep sending them in, and we'll have Chris on here and there for sure, here for the foreseeable future. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys on the next one. Not sure who our guest yet is going to be, but we're going to try to have a guest just about every time. So... Um, if you're watching this or listening to this, be sure to let everyone else know that you think might be interested. They can find this on Facebook at the Endless Season Guide Service Facebook page. They can find it at TrumanLakeFishingIntel.com, the Truman Lake Fishing Intel YouTube page. You can listen to this podcast pretty much anywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, pretty much everywhere <laughs> you get your podcast. It gets posted to one spot, and that spot blasts it out to iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. So we appreciate you guys watching and following along. We're going to keep bringing you the best stuff that we can around this area so and beyond. Uh, until next time, I'm Tyler Mahoney. And I'm Jeff Falkenberry. And our good friend and guest, Chris Brooke. We'll see you on the next one.